Hello and welcome to In For Black Archive, where we sit through and watch every Doctor Who episode, even that questionable two-parter which no one actually talks about. But this week, as always, I am joined by James. Hello. Hello, Owen. Hello, everybody. Uh, hope everyone's having a lovely week, whatever they're doing. If you're in the UK, you're probably... Well, you were sweltering when we recorded this. It's a warm one today. Uh, sorry, just just Chase in there with you, because we are reviewing for Chase. Yes, Owen. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> we are speaking about the Chase. So we're speaking about the penultimate episode of season six. For Chase. The third season Dalek. six? Did I say season six? Season six? Season two. Season, season two. two, episode six, right? Or is it episode seven now? Episode seven. It's the penultimate. Yeah. Where did six come from? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this, this here is the final fully fledged Dalek episode before we get to colour, which we ha- which has survived. Which is an interesting way of looking at it, because we've almost now got this trilogy yeah. of black and white Dalek episodes that we can compare. And you know what they say about the third film in a trilogy? Yeah. It's, it's always a bit wet. It's a bit, it's a bit wet. It's a bit it's, moist. It's a bit wet. But who knows? Was this different? Was the chase different? Yeah. Well, anyway... <laughs> Yeah. Shall we go in with a synopsis? Shall we go in properly? Do this properly? I think so, yeah. And we should give this what it deserves, because this is a Terry Nation-written Dalek episode. It's six parts of pure Who adventure, and there is a rather huge moment at the end as well. So, synopsis-wise... I think, also, Doctor Who doesn't seem to be able to work out and to not do really bloody confusing episodes at the moment. Yeah, at the moment, it feels like they're trying to pack a whole story into one episode and then make six stories in one story. Um, so it becomes this really overpacked, convoluted kind of experience where you think you've got the story and then 10 minutes later there's a whole new thing going on and you think, well, why are we here now? And then you realise it wasn't even that relevant when you get to the end. So our wonderful trio, actually quadruped, the trio and the Doctor have got this new piece of tech <laughs> they got from the Space Museum. It allows them to see into the past, which is all right, I guess, but it does stuff in the story. So, but they land on a new planet. Um, two people get stuck behind and they're watching the scanner, the new scanner device, but they notice something. Something's not right. Something's going on. They see the Daleks. They're after them. They've decided to chase down their greatest foe. Already their greatest foe, but they've only met twice before. They must not meet very good foes. Um, but moving on from that, um, they land on this bizarre deserty planet, which was once sea. They're bizarre fish people which wander around. They're not really that important for the story, so I'm going to quickly move on. Um, we land for, for the TARDIS crew real life which they are going to be chased they've got 12 minutes in each location to land and then move off otherwise the Daleks will find them which means we get to see so many different locations all slightly half-baked in their own particular way so <laughs> we go to New York we go to somewhere else we go to somewhere else and then we land on the Mechanoid's planet where we end 
up with fire explosions, buildings falling down and stuff. For Doctor Who, I'd say it's all fairly tame. Yeah. I mean, considering we had giant ants in two episodes ago. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anything will get quite as LSD-infused as as the web planet was. But this episode, or this full story, does feel very off the wall at times, with just how quick it is. So I think it's attempting to do a similar sort of thing which we saw previously with the Keys of Marius, and to an extent... Uh, Marco Polo, where they're travelling constantly through time and through time and space, or from like, one location to the other, which allows us to see a load of different sceneries, doesn't it, really? Yeah, it's an excuse for the production designers to be able to build some nice, cool sets. And I think that what you just said there is the key problem of this episode. It felt like it was just a showcase of, oh, look, we can make new sets. Yeah, and they had a lot of sets, all of which were unique and more different than the last but frankly they don't add anything to the story there's this gamut running through it that um the daleks have created their own time machine which is more accurate than the tardis and faster than the tardis Um, can i just say by more accurate you mean actually fly to the location people want it to Yes, but I do admit it's a low bar that they're trying to get over, but they do get over it. So you have to give the Daleks credit, okay? Yeah. All right, the Daleks don't get a lot of recognition that they deserve. Anyway, so they've got this accurate time machine that actually goes where it's going to go and it's faster. So they're all, they're on this limited time span and the, the excuse for them going to different locations is, well, if they stop there, they can basically fool them. It's basically just holding them up, doesn't it, really? They've essentially yeah, said it which, prolongs the story. Which they said, essentially, which the TARDIS takes 12 minutes or something along those lines to land in a particular place, and then they can catch up with them. Which is essentially the entire story. So they arrive on the desert planet, uh, where they meet the Iridians, this kind of amphibious humanoid species, and they have an enemy, which feels like it's been the thing with nearly every Doctor Who story this series, is they arrive on planet, there is a species that claims to own, claims to own the planet, but they're being oppressed or subjugated by some kind of other force. Yeah. And this week's one of the Maya beasts, who are basically just these big blobs who like killing, but, uh, which is cool. And then, But then that storyline's never resolved. Yeah, don't worry about the Maya beasts. It's not important, but they're there. Yeah, they're there for the first two episodes, and we move on. But before we go into that, we haven't actually talked about the characters. No, we haven't. I was quickly jumping along. Um, There's just so much to get through. Yeah. So, for Doctor, what do you think about this in his entire run for this episode? Uh, remember we were talking about stagnation? Yeah. It is kind of the same old tricks. Yeah. It's the same... The Doctor's for- become a warmer character. Yeah. But I feel like all of that development happened in season one. And then they, I just don't know what to do. Yeah, now they're just, oh, you know, Doctor's the Doctor. He's warm. I mean, he gets to he gets to have, like, a mildly emotional moment at the end for reasons which we'll discuss at the end. Well, we can but... discuss it now because we're about to talk about the characters of Ian and Barbara. Oh, yeah, of course we are. But, yeah, he, there's there's a reason, and we'll go into that, yeah, just when we talk about these characters, where he can be emotional. Yeah. Um, But during the episode, it's the same kind of... I'm the Doctor, I'm in, I'm more intelligent than you, I'm going to solve this regardless, even though my time machine doesn't work, everything's fine. Yeah. And then, as we were alluding to there, 
we have a new departure. Two new departures, actually. Two departures from our departure gate. They are flying off back to London because they found a time machine which bloody works. Mm. So Ian and Barbara have left us. They've gone. Uh, yeah, Ian and Barbara have gone. How mad is that? That's that's our original two gone. We've now only got one original cast member. Yeah, we've we've actually it kind of puts into perspective how far we've gone that we've got through the entire run yeah. of them. We've only got one more season left of William Hartnell. Yeah, I know we've only got, and there's not many stories that survive three. So yeah, we'll only be a few weeks away from saying goodbye to him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, how do you think that Barbara? And Ian's departure was handled. Despite the fact which we previously said, which Ian and Barbara are our favourite companions, particularly Ian. I didn't feel as upset as I did when Susan left. Because mm. it, it was a little bit rushed. It was my yeah. issue with it. Yeah, they didn't seem to hang on to anything enough. It literally just felt like they got to the end and just went, oh, we need to find a way to get them to leave. Let's have them have a dialogue about how they want to finally go home. It was, I think the difference was, in, and this is more of a conversation about uh, how the writing of this one compared to Dalek Invasion of Earth is a lot, uh, is a lot weaker for me. Yeah. Um, the, the issue is, with Susan's departure, everything's built up throughout that whole story where she meets David. Oh, David. And they, <laughs> have a, they have their kind of romp and they get to know each other and then it becomes clear yeah. that Susan would be better off. Um, in the hands of a man because it's the 60s uh, but that's set up through the whole episode so you're kind of when it happens you're not surprised and you realise actually we've been building up to it all along yeah in this six part Dalek story Barbara and Ian are just going through the motions until they realise they can go home to which they promptly do <laughs> which I mean is fair enough and is sort of in their character but this is never talked about at all until that last five minutes it's just never mentioned, yeah. Which often makes it feel like they've essentially just gone, oh shit, do we need to write these characters out? And so they do. Yeah, it was an afterthought of the episode almost. You have the end of six where they go through the big climax, like you've said, with all the buildings and explosions. And next thing you know, they realise that they can fly out in the Dalek time machine. They're like, oh, you know, we'll, we'll go home. But don't worry, because they're going to add some drama to it, they say. There's only a 50% chance... You'll make it, uh, but don't worry, they're absolutely fine. They fly it themselves, actually, which is an interesting one. Yeah. Well, did, did the Doctor set the coordinates and basically just go, done? Yeah, but how does how does the Doctor suddenly know how to use Dalek time travel? It isn't for running theme which the TARDIS is broken, not he doesn't know how to fly it. Yeah, so how does he know how to fly a time machine that isn't his when he can't fly his own one? Since it's not broken. He enjoys, obviously, better with non-broken things. Unsurprisingly, yeah. Anyway, so, yeah. so the reason that feels really half-baked and flat is because it's not set up. Because it is. It's half-baked and flat. It doesn't... There's no reason for it to happen throughout the entire story. Like, we're giving a reason behind why Susan wants to leave. We're giving all of the elements to make us think she does, and then it ends with Susan as well you have the drama that she could very very easily make a choice yeah and in the end the choice is taken out of her hands 
yeah. uh, in a lot of ways. And that's a really good bit of writing and adds drama and adds a sense of emotion. And with this, it just seems like they make the decision there and then they're completely good. They arrive back in London. Done. They have this Finito. Re- they have this really artificial argument with the Doctor as well, which feels like it's purely there just to be there. Yeah, it's almost as if the Doctor's like, oh, you know, I don't actually want to let you go. But you know it's going to happen. It just sort of adds time to it. He seems yeah. like he's making his excuses, and then they're fine. They're off. Goodbye. Easy. Yeah. It just... Yeah. It's just a really disappointing, anticlimactic ending for characters yeah. that we've followed now through. We've done thirteen serials with them. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to count how many hours that ends up being. Yeah, we've been doing this since March, and we're now in June. Yeah, we've been following. So we've been with these guys for months, and it just ends in a really flat way. Yeah. Which is really is a shame, um, but now which sees now which with Ian and Barbara have left us, we are left with our one other companion, Vicky. Vicky. Yes. So, we're now in a situation where we may very well have to just deal with the Doctor and Vicky. Which okay, that's interesting because the episodes where it's been the Doctor and Vicky, it's just been a Doctor story where Vicky tags along. So hopefully they'll fix that. Yeah. I think they they made an attempt to, because at this point, in this episode, Vicky essentially gets left behind, which just shows how important she is to the story, which we, our main characters forgot her. Yeah. Um. So she gets left behind. She has to make her way to wherever Daleks and X going, in assumption, which the Doctor will also be there. But I think... A, that's good for her character development because she actually has to do something. But B, says a lot about her character development so, so far, which the entire character, which all the characters which we're following, forgot. And this is this is the issue. It's these convenient coincidences that are baked into the story. I mean, I always end up going on about the idea that you're only allowed one convenience in a story. Yeah. And with this one, there's there's convenience upon convenience upon convenience to the point where where the story isn't really being determined by character anymore. It's just being determined by, you know, and the writer decided that the characters must go to this place where they will have this conversation. And you lose the... How do I explain this? When you're writing a script, you're essentially creating an illusion. It's like you're being a little bit of a magician. And in order for the trick to work, you can't show someone how the trick works. Mm. That's the trick. Yeah. But when you have all these coincidences, do you actually see the artifice of the script, like the the mechanics are laid bare. It's like looking inside. I mean, you, you know, you'll look inside a computer and you'll see all the wires and it kind of loses the magic of, oh, you know, there's a screen and it does all this. Um, and it loses that effect. And this is the problem with the chase compared to Dalek Invasion of Earth, where you can't see yeah. the mechanic because they're well placed. This one, they're all over it. So I think this one here is supposed to have been written as a comedy. Does it work? Yeah. Does it work for you as such? No, uh, because it's not a comedy for a start. I mean, the first part of this is written almost like a psychological thriller. Yeah. You know, they're they're on this desert, and and it's actually a quite good setup for one story. You know, they're on this desert where the sand dunes seem to constantly change because the days are so short. Yeah. Um, and next thing you know, they can't find their way back to the TARDIS and there are these beasts around. Like, that's a cool setup. Yeah. 
but it's so quickly resolved. Well, I say resolved. It's not. They so quickly deal with that place and then move on. Yeah, they just find the Daleks and it's like, well, the story isn't here. It's just going to be wherever. It's Doctor V Dalek. So they go from the former sea place, which is now a desert, to New York. Oh, shall we? Shall we talk about New York now? Yes. Let's go into New York now. This is, without question, the weirdest thing that's happened on Who yet. But it's also my favourite. Okay, this is going to be an interesting conversation, because I think it's so rote. Oh, it's it's utterly terrible. It's no need to be there at all. Okay, great, great. This is on that. You're talking ironically. Sort of. Okay, right, that's good. I can talk about this ironically. <laughs> I love... Morton Dill, the guy they find there. I want him more. Well, that's lucky. You know you know the actor is who plays Morton Dill? Yes. He is Stephen, who we meet again. But 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 I don't care. I don't want Stephen. I want Morton Dill. So what do, what do you love so much about Actually sorry, to give context to this <laughs> uh Morton Dill conversation, uh the chase begins this whole we're only twelve minutes ahead of the Dalek time machine. And one of the first places they land is the top, the viewing gallery of the Empire State Building uh, in the present day, where there is an Alabaman tourist Morton called Dill. Morton Dill. He's Morton my Dill. Uh, he's part of this tour tour group, and the tour group have uh, gone around the corner. Uh, they're doing something yeah. else. Morton Dill has stayed behind, and next thing you know, he looks around, and the police box has shown up. Tardis has shown up. Yeah. Uh, and we follow the chase through the eyes of this man. As, We're with him for quite a while, and and he's essentially this over-the-top American who just is just convinced everything's about Hollywood and how it's all Hollywood, how it's all a trick, and it's just perfect. I love him. I want him more. He does. He does this incredibly um, pastiche accent. He's a good laugh. The the TARDIS crew arrives. They have a chat. Mm-hmm. They act like there's no trick. Morton's like, oh, well, of course it's a trick, and etc. Yeah, and then. They leave, and then the Dalek ship arrives, and I'm amazed that the Dalek didn't kill him. I, I, I would have liked it if a Dalek yeah. killed him, just because that's what a Dalek is like. Yeah. Um, you know, it's clear at this point Terry Nation hadn't gone full super Nazi with them yet. And and then, essentially, what happens to him then, he then goes... He's then convinced that there was something there, but then people come around, and, and he's just convinced that there were people there when they weren't there. So what then happens is that he gets sent off to Newman Rehabilitation Centre and is sectioned and becomes a permanent resident. It's really quite tragic when you put it like that. I mean, we're having a good Which conversation. Isn't, it isn't in the TV show, this section. But it's, yeah, I was, I was listening to that thinking, huh, I must have missed something. So you know how they do the write-up of the TV shows? Oh, what, like novelisation? Yeah. Uh, that's part of the novelisation is that... After explaining to what happened to the two guards, he gets locked up as a permanent resident in a mental institution. Wow, that is a dark ending, you know? Just like, oh, here's Morton. Ah, uh, now he's insane. I want more Morton! Well, the good news about Morton is that the actor who plays him, Peter Purves, shows up again in this episode because he's playing a new character that, soon enough, we are going to get quite familiar with. Yes. But first, we need to go to their second location. They go to him for chase. Which is a ship. Which is... But not just any ship. No, it is the Mary Celeste, which is actually a real ship. 
Uh, yeah, I, from, from my memory, is the Mary Celeste one of the ships that is on the Columbus expedition? I don't know that much, but essentially it was a merchant ship which was commanded by Benjamin Briggs, which essentially it was found completely empty. There was no utter reason why everyone deserted it. That was what they thought, but now we know. Yeah. Uh, I have just done my research on the Mary Celeste. It's definitely not Columbus related. I was like 400 years out, so apologies, historians. Um, <laughs> discovered adrift and deserted in the Atlantic Ocean off the Azores Islands on December the 4th, 1872. So not 1492, as perhaps I initially thought. Uh, yeah. Um, so they have almost retconned this historical event to be Barbara's fault. Well, that's no, not Barbara's fault. It's for Dalek's fault. If Barbara was just there, they wouldn't have reacted that badly. They would have hunted around to decide which animals is going mad and he would be sent off to a mental institution. That's what happened to... Damn doll. Imagine if that was a recurring thing. (laughs) On every Doctor ever say, yeah, and this side character will be sent off to a mental institution for the remainder of the days. It is. Um, One of the future companions who we'll meet later on um, apparently gets sent off to a mental institution after travelling with the Doctor. Oh, excellent news. (laughs) Finally, more residents. <laughs> um, but yeah, so essentially if Daleks turn up, well, if humans turn up, they for people on there get confused, think which they are stowaways, but then the Daleks turn up and then they scare everyone off and then the Daleks falls off a ship. Which is funny. Yeah. I think this is the only episode where they actually get the humour right. First with Morton and then with this. Yeah, it's funny. Like, they're funny interludes, but I think I was saying to you before I recorded, and, and I know this is the scriptwriter in me talking and being someone who's interested in everything in a story has to be leading somewhere and you get taught this and drilled into you when you when you get your education in it. Uh, it just does nothing for the story. You could you can take this stuff out and the story wouldn't be affected. You could take a, you, this whole part three out because this is uh, episode three. Yeah. And, you could... and there just wouldn't be a difference. But then we then move on to part three. Not part three, part four. Yeah, part four. Were they in a different place? Because this is what this episode is. They're in different places for not much reason. Other than the ability for them to say which they're in a different place. Yeah, they're just kind of like, and we've moved. So where have they moved to? I believe that we've now arrived in the uh, Transylvanian environment. <laughs> Yeah, so they land in a place which is made of humanity's worst fears. Which means we get to see Count Dracula and Frankenstein's (laughs) monsters fight Daleks for best thing we've ever needed. That's what we needed. You You know, I'm actually having a moment to process the fact that I actually watched that happen. Yeah. Even now. It's... So... It's it's just so... <laughs> you know when you're just shoving stuff... Like, all right, here's, here's a terrible metaphor I'm going to make. You know when you make, like, tacos or fajitas or something? Yeah. Like, you're having Mexican food. And so you get the old El Paso kit, and you've got the tortilla, and you've got the filling, whatever, and you're trying to get as much filling as you can into the tortilla. Yeah. But if you put too much filling in the tortilla, it all spills everywhere, and it becomes incredibly messy, and the entire shape of the thing falls away yeah putting dracula and frankenstein's monster into a dalek six-parter for absolutely no reason at all 
is like taking your tortilla and shoving a fire truck through it. Yeah, so people wonder why the Daleks get taken for Mick out of it. At least they did before the reboot. This is why. It's because for BBC and Terry Nation did it to themselves with this six-parter. Yeah, because the, the, what, what makes it a shame is that in the initial two stories we've had with the Daleks, the original Daleks and the Dalek Invasion of Earth, they're portrayed very well. Yeah, they're actually something to be scared of, something which is supposed to be technically amazing. But in this here, we just get them chasing after the TARDIS. Yeah, they're just kind of pastiches. Even in the even in the teaser from uh, the Space Museum into this episode, you yeah. know, you have we the enemy time machine and all this stuff, and they're just speaking like evil movies. You know, Our greatest foe uh, and all this stuff, and they just sound like they're in a pantomime. Yeah. The whole episode is basically the audience going, who's behind you? It's a Dalek. Yeah. So for the um, part four, it was, you know how how the doctor is saying, which is, this is human mental brain. It's a place. Yeah. It's a place of dreaming. It's the only thing it can be. That is what it was initially was in the stripped. Uh, Oh. Verity Lambert changed it towards the end hence why it's only really seen as of like a clip which is some sort of theme park um, yeah that's what Terry Nation did and Fred Lambert said it wasn't really in keeping of the show which is correct yeah. it would have just been insane yeah so are you happy Verity Lambert stepped in at this point yeah I mean it, it kind of the good thing about the way they've done it even though I know it's tacked on is it does kind of play as a good joke yeah that they've all thought it's this dreamscape and in reality it's just some haunted house which is nice yeah it's nice the way that's handled. Uh, but even so, it's got the same problem as being in New York and being on the Mary Celeste, where it's just kind of, and we've figured out a set, we've kind of had some fun, and we need the Daleks to chase them around because we haven't reached the finale yet. It feels like we're extending the story too yeah. much. The issue is, the entirety of this story, even the first two, part, two parts of it, while interesting... I've got nothing to do with the actual story at all. Yeah, so the story, the actual story only really kicks in in the last, maybe even the last part. Yeah, and let's just quickly discuss this. In a script, in a script when you're scripting something, yeah. if I was writing my first script, would you recommend to me to only have the story happen in the final um, third or maybe even less than that. That's a script writer. I mean, I think, I think the answer to this is very, very obvious. But if if you if you came to me with uh, the first draft of a script, or even an outline for a script, yeah. and you said, I want to go and uh, make this, or I want to produce this, or I just want to write this for my own benefit, I would look at a story that started on the third act, and I would immediately go, well, what's all this build-up then? What are you building up? The important thing is to have rising tension. That's kind of the whole point of a story is you have this rising tension. It doesn't have to be like a horror movie where, you know, you're kind of more on the edge of your seat as you go. But there needs to be rising tension and rising conflict. You need to feel a sense of momentum to get you to that big climax. And then when you have the bit after, it does feel like a sigh of relief. Um, Having the story start... 80% 80% of the way through is a no-no. 
What's wrong with that idea, though? It should be fine. You build What's up. What's wrong loads. with that idea? You build, I mean... you build up and have an amazing dramatic ending. Oh, this is going to be so crude. But I'm going to make. I'm going to make this metaphor anyway. Please don't say it contains more tacos. No more tacos. There's no more tacos. Cool. Starting a story uh, just after your third act has begun is the equivalent of having the best actings. And that is being cut out. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. That's like an hour of build-up for nothing. Is you've not you've not got anything out of it yeah. when it's actually begun. It doesn't because you haven't had the tension that's coming before. You've kind of been dropped in, and you think, well, what was the point? It works two ways. You think, what was the point of all the build-up? And then, well, why is this story so short? And why doesn't it have any context? Because you, a story's good because of what leads up to the climax. It's a whole thing. Yeah. So speaking of the climax, the final two parts. So in the, in the, in the um, fifth part, we get introduced to a new Doctor, which is supposedly an identical duplicate of the Doctor, only it's a robot the, con- controlled by the Daleks. Which the Daleks can apparently do. Yes. Which makes you think, if the Daleks can create like perfect representations of, to- of Time Lords... Yeah. Why do they stay in those things? Yeah. It's a good question. Yeah. And also, if they were this smart, sure they could work out whether Dar- TARDIS was sending these people, considering it's obviously at random. Mm. But anyway. Um... Well, well they, spend the whole, they spend the whole story basically playing Battleship with the yeah. Doctor. Is that, where are you? Oh, are you in F4? No. <laughs> yeah. So what did you think about this idea of having a robot doctor, which is definitely looks like the real doctor? I think it's a cliche now, but, but you know, this is a 50-year-old episode. And at the time, that would have been a lot more original. And, you know, the reason these cliches stick is because they work. Yeah. It's a good bit of fun. I, they, they have that classic, oh, you know, I'm the real one, I'm the real one. And that's fine. It. It's a cliche. Well, really, all cliches are cliches because they do work deep yeah. down. It's why people use them all the time because they work. They're easy works. But how identical was the robot? Well, for my money, I'd have said they were pretty good since they were both played by William Hartnell. They weren't. What? Are you seriously this blind to see how badly, how unlike each other they were? I I obviously uh, was was swept in by the narrative, Owen. <laughs> you obviously were. I'm, I'm not sick. Do I need to go back and have a look? One second, one sec. I'm going to include this. Let me see if I can get a photo of the Doctor's robot, and 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 you can say to me whether this is similar. One second. We're doing this live. From my memory, this is probably me just. Uh, I've I've maybe just remembered two of William Hartnell and just put them in there like oh at some, po- so at some point for Doc William Hartnell does take his place in the story when he's actually needed, but in other points he isn't. Yeah, maybe it's the other points that I'm not thinking of. Or the other points I can't remember. Robot Doctor Who. Here we go. That, oh, that's a fo- terrible photo, but it will do. Copy image. Right, I'm sending it to you via Facebook. Does that look like William Hartnell to you? I'm just taking a look. Oh my god! <laughs> How did you not okay. notice? He looks... <laughs> looks like Peter Cushing. Yeah. How did you not realise? 
I would like, I'd like to begin this apology by first talking about, <laughs> I, oh yeah, I've misremembered this, Owen. Um, he does not look like William Hartnell You obviously at got, all. got on some really good rose-centred glances of this episode. Yeah, they, they're phenomenal. Do you want some? Considering you spent for most of this episode slating it. <laughs> yeah, slating it, but I'm like, oh, you know, the double stuff is really good. And then I look at this double. <laughs> is there no hope? However, this is the second time we meet him. This We've met this guy. When was the first time we met him? It was in a Dust Dalek episode. Was he an invasion? Yeah. Was he... He wasn't the guy in the wheelchair, was he? No. No. You know in how I was telling you about how the doctor fr- screwed up his back so they had to have him faint and fall on camera? But oh, we only see back so of his he head. Was the double then? Yeah. Right, so he's been the double all of them. Yeah, he's his body, the doctor's body gut double. All right. Well, as a body double, it works. Just maybe not a face double. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Because like, his body is pretty accurate, like yeah. his hair's about there. Which would be fine if they're only showing him from the back. But when they're showing, the, as that photo sh- looks like, it's the photo. If anyone wants to look at it, it's just the photo of the robot Doctor Who on the wiki. Like that photo is terrible. And then, for, do you not remember the really bad dubbing of his voice? Oh yeah, yeah. No, his because he, didn't they do? Was it Will's voice? And then they had him yeah. just doing the mouth movement. Yeah, yeah. It looked pretty ropey. Yeah. So what do you think about the story of this episode? I think I think the story has points where it could work, but it's almost like every episode presents the idea of a cool story, but that isn't the story we're going to follow, so we're just going to move on. Yeah. And so it feels very erratic. I think that was the word that, that stuck out to me through the whole thing, Yeah. was this is a very erratic script. It's a very erratic story that never settles. Mm. And by the time it does, everything's over. And now they're on a completely new thing about Barbara and Ian leaving. Yeah. So that kind of leads us on to episode four. They get saved because they're cornered by the Daleks, but they get saved by this new alien for Mechanoid. You mean episode six, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so hold on a minute. When you, when you have to say two, you say six. When you have to say six, you say four. I mean, what's going on? My brain doesn't do numbers. Move on. All right. <laughs> so episode six, the, the Doctor and companions are surrounded by Daleks. They, they try to fool the Daleks by sending out the Doctor pretending to be the robot. It doesn't work because, as previously told us, they don't actually look like each other. <laughs> but they get saved by the Mechanoids. Yes, yet another new species to, to get your heads around in this episode. Which... Are interesting. What he means by interesting is they don't do anything. <laughs> they essentially lock um, the Doctor and his companions in a cage with our good old friend Stephen and his bizarre panda um, to, to be watched as like monkeys in a zoo. Yeah, now, now Stephen is an interesting one because Stephen is kind of introduced as being a bit peppy. Yeah. 
and a bit enthusiastic. And when they take time to know a name, it means they're going to be important. Yep. Because Stephen is very, very soon going to be joining us on these uh, on these TARDIS adventures. Yes. Ooh. What do you What do you think of his his kind of soft debut, which is just tacked on at the end here, amongst yeah. everything else? Yeah. Like all the other parts of this entire episode, it doesn't seem to have a reason to exist. Other than for future episodes. Yeah. Like, it isn't a very good introduction to him at all, I don't think. Yeah, it just kind of it just kind of shoehorns him in there. It's almost as if Terry was told, look, you need to do all of these things in the last episode, and you're just going to have to work with it. Like, this episode could have been done perfectly well without him being in there. They could just be in a cage. Oh, yeah, perfectly. But because... You know, everything had to be introduced. We had to have the new character set up before the old characters could leave. Yeah. We had to get Stephen in there. And, you know, it's much like a lot of the things in this episode. It's another distraction from what should be the story. Yeah. So they break out through the roof to climb down after setting it alight with a bomb, which they have. I can't remember where they got the bomb from. Oh, the doctor had it in for Tardis. Um, Hmm. So they then escape, they race through the forest, which they found themselves in in episode five, and they get to the TARDIS after the worst fight treatment seen ever with the, Tardis, with the Daleks and the Mechanoids. I've got no f- clue what happened. Yeah, uh, it's it's a whole mess. It's I mean, if you thought that they couldn't handle humans fighting, robots fighting is somehow even worse. Like I've got no clue what happened. I've got no clue who won. I'm don't know other than should we move on from a terrible fight it just becomes like a series of explosions meaning there is no need to dwell it is so hypercut i don't know they obviously didn't give it enough thought so i'm not going to give it enough thought either yeah it turns into a mess um but they escape they for daleks are defeated through magic um and they find the ship where we find our companions leaving yeah and then we get to that leaving moment um where the story is resolved and we enter the we enter the end bit and then all of a sudden we are we're doing goodbyes out of absolutely nowhere because you know you'll have listened to us going through all of the parts of this episode and there is no mention that Barbara and Ian are off or no even inclination that Barbara and Ian would want to be off it's just kind of do you want to go yeah all right and yeah, yeah. it it's just a bit dull what do you think about that ending montage when they leave it's sweet and nostalgic. Yeah. But, they, you know, they go to London and we get a little bit of London on film, which is always cool. Uh, but even then, that just kind of feels... It doesn't feel story relevant. Yeah. It's just kind of we're, we're suddenly entering this fan service element. Yeah. Yeah. This episode hasn't been very good, has it? It's a bit of a mess. It tries to do a lot of things and... Basically, all of them feel half-baked. So, essentially, if you could turn this podcast into a Doctor Who episode, it would be the chase. Yeah. <laughs> all over the point. shot. Makes no sense whatsoever. No one really cares. And we get to the end. So, that's where we are. We're at the end. <laughs> yeah, we've made it. We've somehow made it. No one knows how. No one knows where. 
Well, I don't know where I am. Honestly, this episode does put your head in a trance because you, you just go through so much story yeah. without there being any story at all. It seems to be a running theme. It just seems to be lots of stuff but nothing happening in it. Yeah, there's no there's no sense of an arc. There's no sense of build-up. It's just kind of, hey, look at this, hey, look at this, hey, look at this. And it's a bit of a... Yeah, it's just not great. Yeah, which is... I don't think this episode is devoid of value, but it's yeah, I think for not what... the best. The issue with this season is that it's just that over and over and over again. Yeah, same kind of story. Same, not even that. Same kind of problems, like lots of random stuff which don't really have much to do with the story, just kind of in there. Yeah. But as we reach the end, let's come to what we normally do. Give it a score. Yes. Put your scores on the doors, James. Um, I'm gonna give this one a. Four, which is uh, really disappointing. It's just because there are cool bits in it. I mean, yeah. the first episode is nice, genuinely, and but that's before things get really convoluted. Uh, the, the the bits with Morton are funny, and the bits on the ship are kind of yeah. funny, and the joke with the haunted house is good. But the story is just such a like over the head with a frying pan kind of approach. Yeah. That you can never get your bearings, and when they have to do something emotional. It doesn't land at all. Yeah, I'm going to give it a five. Oh, that's feels feels generous. It has Morton in it, and Morton is the best. Oh, I thought you were going to follow on from the best. No, just the best. Yes, best best ever thing. Yes, he's even better than your dream boy. No one is better than David Owen. Let's <laughs> let's calm down. Uh, that's not blaspheme. And let's calm down with the end. Uh, yes, so next week is our last serial of Series 2. Yes. Do you know what it is, James? Uh, I'm going to be honest with you, Owen. No. It uh... is the Time Meddler, where we come across our first other Time Lord before they were called Time Lords and meet a monk who meddles. In time. But thank well, you very we... much for listening. <laughs> don't we all meddle in time? Yes, and just like everything else in time, it runs out, just like this episode. So thank you very much <laughs> for listening, and please join us again next week for the Time Meddler. If you want to get in touch, tell us how terribly wrong we are and how amazing this episode is by tweeting us at Into the Black Archive. No, not even, even that. Black, Black Archive, Archive Pod, Pod at gmail.com. That's not how it works either. That's... <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, let's do this. I've got enough gusto. Let's go. So it is at Black Archive Pod on Twitter, or you can email us at not even that Black Archive Pod at gmail.com. That all makes sense. This episode's over. Goodbye. We'll be back next week. <laughs> Goodbye.